You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. Today's innovations are tomorrow's possibilities. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Welcome to Trillions. I'm Joel Weber. And I'm Eric Balchunas. So, Eric, there's been this big shakeup in banking, specifically in Europe, where UBS and Credit Suisse have become one. That's been a huge story at Bloomberg. Lots of ins and outs. And here we are in the aftermath. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is our second straight banking episode. That's how big of a deal it is. Uh, In TV, they call it staying in the news. So we're staying in the news. Uh, We're going to look at some of the ETF angles and also just how this changes the whole asset management industry landscape. Um, And it's going to have a couple different sort of ripple effects that, that we should look at that will impact the industry and investors. And so joining us, Allison Williams, who is a senior analyst at Bloomberg Intelligence, where she covers global investment banks and asset managers, as well as Athanasios Serafagas, who's an ETF analyst with Bloomberg Intelligence. This time on Trillions, takeaways from a European banking saga. Allison, Athanasios, thanks for joining us on Trillions. Yeah, glad to be back on. Thanks for having us. Allison, Credit Suisse has been troubled for years. It finally has collapsed into this forced marriage with UBS, creating this mega bank, this new mega bank. We've also not seen a globally systemic bank fail. Credit Suisse is the first since the financial crisis. So as a close watcher of this space, just what's the greater meaning here? Well, I think uh, I guess we can we can talk about a couple of things. So uh, you're perhaps alluding to the regulatory landscape. I think it's difficult because this is a situation where market sentiment almost drives reality, creates reality. And so the bank, which had raised capital, looked very well capitalized, had a lot of liquidity at the end of the quarter, although that had been um, slipping away with some of the outflows. And just the fact that liquidity is something that can change quickly and can be impacted by sentiment. And that's a fundamental tenant of the business. So it's difficult to say how regulators can change that except to be vigilant. How much of this and just all, you know, all of the banks is just a byproduct of the central banks of the world, namely the Fed, shifting course to fight inflation and raising interest rates? It seems like there's just been a lot of things caught on the wrong side of that shift. Did Credit Suisse not prepare for that properly? Uh, was that a, a factor in this? The issue with the quantitative easing was there was so much stimulus coming in. It really heightened all the deposit bases. Uh, there were no loans to invest in. So these loans were invested in securities. But it really heightened the need to manage your balance sheet. And because as banks are getting all these excess deposits, they have to estimate how much of that is is sort of permanent, if you will, how much is more hot money that will flow out once there are other opportunities. And so I think that QE really sowed the seeds, if you will, of 
um, you know, placing the banks in that situation that when rates rose so rapidly, those who were really focused on managing risk and more conservative were in a better spot um, than those who did not. And so the parallel, I suppose, I would draw with with Credit Suisse, uh, which is a little bit of a different situation, but it does come down to managing risk when there is a lot of ebullience in the markets, if you will. So if we look at 2020 and the trading that went on and the significant amount of revenue that was generated across these global banks and some banks looking to make sure that they keep their risk management in place, whereas others uh, potentially might be wanting to expand that net to make more revenue, and then the cost comes back to bite them. And so I would say in both cases, the key is really risk management. Risk management has to um, in- increase and be even more stringent in a period where we're facing unprecedented times. So unprecedented action um, with QE to the extent that we got that QE. QT is something we've never experienced. And so I think that when people invest in banks, you look at bank managers, it's similar to a portfolio manager. You have to manage your risks across uh, a variety of environments. So one interesting thing that um, this revealed about Credit Suisse Athanasios is that they were a big name in exchange-traded notes, which is different than an exchange-traded fund and lacks a lot of the oversight that ETFs get. So what does this mean for ETNs and, and specifically the ones that Credit Suisse had? There's always an ETF-ETN angle, I guess in this case ETNs. Yeah, so they have this dubious past of these. Now, I'm not saying these products are bad, but they are used in cases that... Speaking of risk. (laughs) They want to give you exposure to areas that may be hard to do in an ETF. So they want to use leverage or they want to give you exposure to some frontier market. So if you remember that XIV product, which was the inverse vol, Volmageddon, that was a Credit Suisse product. Um, you know, they had uh, TVIX, which is a levered volatility one. That's that, a credit. That was one. the one my dad used, yeah. by the way. So he can. <laughs> yeah. So you know, there's there's an audience for it, right? People that like Eric's like dad. leverage. Yeah. Eric's dad. Yeah. Probably right, just quick user. backstory. My my dad at. My, my dad asked me what ETF will go up the most if the market crashes because he thought Hillary Clinton would win the 2016 election and the stock market would sell off. And I said, well, TVIX. But you cannot hold it. No, you can't. And not only did Hillary not win, the market didn't crash. It went up, and he held it. <laughs> so he, everything that could everything wrong. went wrong went wrong with him. Anyway. By the way, this is a whole episode. We interviewed our dads. It was called Our Two Dads. We interviewed Eric's dad, who tends to like risk, and my dad, who less risky. But the real key factor with these is not even the exposure. It's that it's essentially a note, right, backed by the bank. And so if the bank, something happens... That's one of those things that you don't really think about. Like, you know, it's like, oh, well, when, it's 2023. When's a bank going to go under? These notes are probably pretty safe. But this was a, a reminder that, you know what, this is a risk that you need to be aware of. Now, considering that UBS also has ETNs, they're, it's probably the best partner, like, if this business is going to live on because they also offer them here, too. Um, I would suspect either, you know, they're going to change the name, uh, you know, it's pretty unprecedented, so I don't know if maybe they want to close some of the smaller ones or if they're going to redeem them and just keep the UBS business. Eric and I were actually talking about this. I think at first glance, I said ETNs are done. Like, I just think people are over them. When we studied in the past what happened 2008, COVID, 
people love leverage. They love juice. And these things have endured on even despite some of the, you know, some of the hiccups. So maybe not the Credit Suisse ones as much, but I think ETNs are still going to be okay after a lot of this. Yeah. um, ETNs, I feel, have just found a way to survive like a cockroach or something because they were first used to go places that ETFs couldn't like India. Then when, you know, that was uh, you can get to India now easily with the stock market. So ETFs. So if you have a choice, ETF or ETN, all else equal, people pick the ETF. But the ETN at first offered that. Then they offered a tax treatment that was a little more favorable for things that held futures or MLPs. So that's why you see some of the commodity and VIX Mm. ETNs popular. Now it's leverage because a lot of ETNs have come out that offer 3x leverage. And uh, you can't do that in an ETF anymore. So ETNs have been creative. I think they should try a Bitcoin ETN. I mean, it seems like if the SEC is okay with leverage happening at 3x in the ETN, maybe they'd be okay with the Bitcoin. That's just a little sidebar. But I do, like you, I think, and in Europe, they've always been pretty big. So I think they're $10 billion. That's not big, yeah. but it's it, they've overcome expectations, I think. And they keep hanging around and finding new ways to live, for sure. Allison, I want to go back to you on a question. We talk about this is a big merger. Um, I was looking at the sort of leaderboard of asset managers, and I think you know we all look at BlackRock as number one, uh, Vanguard number two, but with this this merger puts them at number three, or am I wrong there? Like, how big is this new company going to be? Well, it depends on, I guess, if you're looking at the wealth or asset or the the combined businesses. I think if you if you're focusing solely on wealth, it will be um, second behind Morgan Stanley. And so within that business ahead of um, banks such as Bank of America or Wells Fargo, if you're looking at just the pure asset management business, it moves them closer to a top 10, um, perhaps number 11 from being a top 20. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. This podcast is brought to you by Invesco QQQ. What do all the greatest innovations have in common? Agents. People who participate in progress by supporting cutting-edge ideas. Invesco QQQ is a fund that allows you access to innovators of the NASDAQ 100 all-in-one fund. So you don't have to be an inventor to help create what's next to come. Anyone can become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. There are risks when investing in ETFs, including possible loss of money. ETF risks are similar to those of stocks. Investments in the tech sector are subject to greater risk and more volatility than more diversified investments. The NASDAQ 100 Index comprises the 100 largest non-financial companies on the NASDAQ. You can't invest directly into an index. Before investing, consider the fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit Invesco.com for a prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully before investing. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Athanasius, I want to bring up um, something that like just lit fire, um, especially online, it felt like, which was these additional tier one bonds that can, got wrapped up in this. Quickly, what what are they and and where do where does this net out for investors? Because it turns out that they were wrapped up in a lot of exchange traded funds. Yeah. So it wasn't just uh, 
the ETF impact wasn't just their ETN, ETF business in Europe, but also where were their credit Swiss bonds in ETFs. Um, and so this was particularly a European issue, you know, these sort of these AT1 bonds or cocoa bonds for short. So the way it really worked is why would you buy it in the first place? So they tend to pay a high, little bit of a higher yield. They're convertible, so you get some stock participation if the stock goes up. But the trade-off is it could be completely wiped out, right, in an in a extreme case like we saw. So this AT1 was the ticker. It's an Invesco ETF. It's probably the biggest one in Europe. And it's pretty decent size, like a billion in assets. It was down like 18% when this news came out on, you know, on Monday. I guess the good news in this is that it was really only in that one product. That was the one that was hit by far the most. Um, but what I found really interesting is if you started looking at how it was trading a couple of days before, it was trading at a pretty big discount even before the news came out over the weekend. So someone was sniffing something out with it. But it's pretty concentrated just to that product. Wisdom Tree has one as well, but that one's pretty small. But then there's Credit Suisse stock that's splattered all over all these different ETFs, uh, you know, um, ESG funds, factor funds, et cetera. But that was probably by far the most extreme case of Credit Suisse bringing down the price of an ETF. Another takeaway for me on all this was something that I was enlightened by, and, and now it makes sense, especially in the banks in the U.S., SVB in particular, and I'll throw this to Allison. You know, it seems to me that like there's a potential other issue with banks in general if they aren't going to give enough money for the people who have put their money with the bank. Like how much are people getting on deposits? Because now you can get 4 or 5% on a short-term treasury ETF, and that is pretty juicy or a money market fund, right? And the banks, you know, I've looked at some of the rates. They're very low. Are banks going to have to increase their rates on deposits or are they just going to have a lot of people who don't even notice, don't care? Like, is that a risk? Yeah, so it's it's a little of both. And by the way, this was something expected for 2023. And we had already started to see deposit outflows to higher yielding products, right? So money out from core deposits going into CDs and money market funds. And I, I think that this over the last couple of weeks may have just accelerated that at for some customers. I would also say that the bank's strategies, there were definitely banks who had said, again, since they didn't they don't have loans to put these a lot of these deposits in to let some of them run off. Um, but just given sort of the, the more dear deposits are uh, at the moment, could that change and could banks start to pay up a little bit? At the, at the end of the day, we had expected uh, net interest margin pressure on banks. So keeping in mind that banks yields so that's that's their sort of their revenue yield has benefited from the higher rates and we had expected uh the cost side of things which is what they pay for deposits and or other funding um to begin to uh be more of a headwind for the banks this year because generally as rates go up the first leg of the increase tends to benefit the banks when you're in a, a very low interest rate environment such as we're emerging from um, but then eventually um, banks have to um, increase those costs. And so we had expect this to be coming. We think it's going to accelerate. And the bottom line is it, it does put a damper on the bank's net interest margin. And the other factor I think that's coming into play is now that we're seeing 
the need and value of this excess liquidity, especially in a very uncertain environment, that will also further weigh on the bank's uh, net interest margins. Yeah, it's interesting, um, and Athanasio has been tracking this very well, that cash-like ETFs, which again, yield 4 or 5%, their assets have just gone up uh, double to over $100 billion. And I never thought about them competing with the banks, but that's sort of what's happening, right? Yeah, um, you know, and they make it so easy. And the other thing to remember is you can sell the ETF right away, right? So, I mean, you could wait an extra day and get it out of money market fund, but it's so easy right into the ETF, getting attractive yields. You can sell it really quickly um, right in your broker account. So, yeah, we never really thought about that until we started seeing it popping up. They're now competing with deposits. And when I was uh, researching Bogle for the Bogle book I wrote, um, there was an interesting part in one of his books about early in Vanguard's days, they were offering money market funds for low fees. And he he basically said the banks started to notice and got scared, and then they started offering their money market funds. So this whole idea of money market funds and ETFs competing with banks is not new, but with ETFs in particular, how easy and liquid and available they are, I think this is going to be a really interesting thing to watch. And Allison, you know, something you and I have talked about, and this is a perfect time to ask you about this, is this wave of consolidation. Um, I had talked about the Vanguard effect for years with you, but the thing that offset it was you always had the market going up, offsetting the outflows to cheaper passive products. Now the market isn't complying. And like last year, active mutual funds saw $5 trillion decrease in assets. Most of that just because the market went down. Do you see more of this, be it maybe banks you know, having problems with people leaving for money market funds or other reasons, or maybe they were overextended in this market? Then you throw in the passive effect and a market that won't help them offset those outflows. Could we see just sort of an avalanche of consolidation if the market stays flat or down over the next two or three years? So I think, Eric, the question is, is this a choppy market period or are we going into a sustained downturn? Because I think managers are not going to make or not going to want to make decisions about their long-term future because of a tough temporary period in the markets. But to the extent that managers do change their mind and uh, feel that they are entering into a new period, a new paradigm where uh, you're not going to see the market boost that we saw over the last decade or so that really helped uh, the earning, the revenue and the earnings of their managers. If managers believe that you know the longer term future is worse than the past, then I think that's what will require them to reevaluate their options. Yeah, I mean, we've seen like even active is coming back to a degree in the ETF wrapper, but it's got to be below 40 basis points. Like, it's not just active to passive. It's really what I call the great cost migration. I just think it's been hidden up or covered up by the bull market. And as if the market doesn't help these companies out, I think a lot of them will try to join forces, get scale so they can lower fees and ultimately compete against the big two, BlackRock and Vanguard. Uh, and that includes banks, although banks are lucky they have alternative business lines. And as you said, um, I also think alternatives are a good place because Vanguard of BlackRock, I mean, Vanguard in particular, doesn't really do a lot there. Um, so I think there'll be a, they'll have to get clever. They'll have to get cheaper in some places and then go places Vanguard doesn't or where there's, um, it isn't commoditized as much. And I think that's, will again, will result in more of this consolidation. And of course, this is going to be an interesting place to watch to see how UBS manages the wealth business 
asset management, investment banking, and more. And of course, now we know that there's going to be a new CEO, which is a bit of a back to the future move because he was previously the CEO of UBS, Sergio Armadi. Allison Athanasios, thanks so much for joining us on Trillions. Um, thanks for having me on. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Trillions. Until next time, you can find us on the Bloomberg Terminal, Bloomberg.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you like to listen. We'd love to hear from you. We're on Twitter. I'm at Joel Weppershow. He's at Eric Balchunas. This episode of Trillions was produced by Magnus Hendrickson. Bye. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to help realize a mission to Mars. Become an agent of innovation with Invesco QQQ. Learn more at Invesco.com QQQ. Invesco Distributors, Inc. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at cuttereconomicforum.com.